A new year is full of surprises, but one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts of up to 89% off USPS and UPS services. So when postage goes up, your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com is like your own personal post office, wherever you are. You can even take care of orders on the go with the mobile app. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Schedule package pickups, automatically find the cheapest and fastest shipping options, and seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. There's even a supply store where you can stock up on mailing supplies, labels, even printers. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. All you need is a computer or phone and printer. Take a chunk out of your mailing and shipping costs this year with Stamps.com. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello Egg Chasers and welcome to episode number 32 of the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast, a podcast that doesn't take itself or the game too seriously. We just love rugby and that's, well, us being me, Tim, him, JB. Hi, Tim. And him, Phil. Hi, Tim. JB, uh, last week we were describing you because you were wearing your summer garb, your summer get-up. <laughs> now I want to describe you because how would you describe that shade of skin? He looks, he looks like he's made of wax, Phil. It looks like he's not all there. I'm not quite all there today, boys. Was, uh, was like, I'm not quite all there. So, JB's just got back off of a, a tour, an end-of-season tour, which I think I imagine a lot of people, bank holiday weekend, May, games mm. finished, I imagine there's a lot of rugby players uh, that are getting back off a post-season tour. How are you feeling right now? Are you all right? About as well as a man who's had three days with all his rugby friends on a bus to Cardiff can possibly feel. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, uh, yeah, we all went on tour. Nothing exciting happened. No one did anything wrong. Your missus isn't listening to this. Uh, Come on. <laughs> we all went for a meal. We came back. We went to bed about nine. Um, alternative versions of the story are available. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the standout thing, I think, which happened this tour was I was in charge of Kangaroo Court. Now, previously, I have done Kangaroo Court, and it has been fairly successful. Oh, I don't know where I'm going with this. <laughs> you have a little think about that and I'll tell you a tour story. Thank you. Good. So Thank I, you. I grew up playing for Newbury Rugby Club and I got into the first team. We had a pre-season tour to Swansea. Uh, playing at that rugby club, I forget what it's called, but it's the one that's up on the hill where in the, the film Twin Town, they drove an AC Cobra around the pitch. <laughs> I can't remember what, what the club is called, uh, but if you're, if, you, if you're from those parts up on the hill near Swansea, you'll know where it is anyway couple of the youngest guys there were a couple of guys younger than me in the first team and managed to convince them on the short drive from Newbury to the seven crossing that Wales was another country and required a passport and at the seven crossing <laughs> they were gutted that they'd forgotten we were telling them that they come on boys I can't believe you've let us down like this you're gonna have to get in the luggage and they spent the journey over the seven bridge uh, from one service station <laughs> just outside Bristol to the one just past it well, in on, with all the kit well on the way back from Cardiff what, what we do is we start raising money uh, for the tour set a year out so we have a kitty and we had pizza, uh, a few people that pulled out so we had e- um, e- even more money and I guess he came to about £1,600. Wow. And what we do with the kitty on the very last day, day of the tour, we put it behind some local bar, on, on some local pub on the way back, and then we just drink until it's all gone. We managed somehow 
to persuade our coach, Mark Lloyd, that he'd left the kitty in Tesco. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and this continued to about Birmingham, where he's now demanding to turn around, turn around the coach. Uh, <laughs> you've never seen a man so devastated. There's been some correspondence we should get back to, and you can get in touch with us anytime at Rugby Podcast on Twitter, and I appreciate you for taking the trouble to do that. Thank you very much for getting in touch. Well, firstly, let's just mention the fact we have, you know, new listeners all the time and new people getting in touch with us via Twitter at Rugby Podcast. Two of those being, well, firstly, welcome to Canadian International and London Irish back row, second row, Jeb Sinclair, who has been entertaining us on Twitter generally. So he's uh, he's well worth a follow. And... Just, it, it's worth noting that it, it was JB who responded to Jeb Sinclair. <laughs> Top saying, follow. Yeah, thanks, <laughs> thanks for the follow. Thanks for the follow. <laughs> Rather than thanks for the follow. Yeah, good first impression there, Jay. Well done. <laughs> well right. done. Fortunately, he's still following us. As is, and let's just talk about this one for a second, Jacques Berger yes. is now following us on Twitter. We are late, One of our latest listeners is the man who has been showered with more love than most by JB. Like How do you want to talk, just describe that feeling when you saw on Twitter <laughs> that Jacques Berger was a, was a listener and a follower? Pure elation. Uh, I like to think now he is probably listening to our podcast whilst on his booster week riding a rhino in, in Namibia. Almost certainly doing that. Almost certainly. <laughs> in fact, he has got a week off. Yeah, they, they rested him this week to give his knee time to recover. I... After um, Jack Berger started following us, looked up uh, Namibia. Just so I know all the facts and figures uh, about Namibia from Wikipedia. Uh, so if I ever run into him, we can have an in-depth <laughs> discussion. We've got, we've, got, we've got something to talk about. Is that how you managed to snag your soon-to-be wife? Mm. What, talking about Namibia? No, not Namibia, but just stalking her <laughs> and then finding out about her life. There is a lot more effort gone into Jack Berger than uh, <laughs> has gone into meeting with my future wife. Anyway, it's great to have you listening, Jack Berger, who is uh, now a follower at Rugby Podcast and a listener to the Egg Chasers Rugby Podcast as well. Do you know what? I was at the Sale Sharks Leicester game. I was working there, and we'll be talking about that in a bit, among the other games. And Alistair Eakin, commentator from BT Sport, came over in the media room and said, Tim, hiya. I wanted to let you, you and the other, let, let the other boys know really enjoying the podcast. Oh, really? Oh, when excellent. I'm, uh, I have to say, a very, very tanned Alistair Eakin as well. You can tell that it's been some European matches and Sky have uh, been <laughs> taken over the mantle for a bit. It's clearly been somewhere very, very nice. And thank you for, for getting in touch. Lots of people who were commenting on the last podcast. And also to Chris Livett, who was at the Sale Leicester game. And I'm so glad. Do you know what? Sometimes things happen in life where you'd be so gutted if no one had seen that it happened. You do something special, and if no one saw you, no one would believe you. I was holding a clipboard in one hand, a microphone in the other, on the halfway line at Sale Sharks. Danny Cipriani kicked a penalty to touch, and I looked up, and it was coming straight for me. I didn't move where I was standing. My right hand with the microphone in, I just held out slightly, and I let the ball land on my chest, and I just clasped it with my forearm that was holding the microphone, Expert. Took it beautifully. Like Mike Brown couldn't have done any better <laughs> under a high ball. Ice running through your veins. But no cameras caught it. I was hoping that oh, the BT Sport cameras no. might have caught it. But Chris Livett on Twitter said, very impressed by your catch. Yeah, it's good that someone wow. actually, uh, actually saw that. So it did happen. So it definitely did happen. It definitely did happen. Uh, but uh, what definitely did happen was 80 minutes of rugby in round 21 of the Premiership. I, I think this might have been the best round of games maybe all, all year. It's, it's up there. It's probably... I've not run the stats, but it's probably the highest scoring round. 44-20, Saracens-Worcester, 38-30, Gloucester-London-Irish, 44-38, Wasps-Newcastle. Yeah. There's one big showdown in the final round of matches, the shootout for the playoffs and Bath-Harlequins, but let's start with that Bath game. 
big game, as it turned out, with controversial little sting in the tail. So uh, <sighs> what did you make of this one? Well, some of the skills were awesome. George Ford seems to be growing every game, and I feel like I'm saying that after uh, every week. Unle- unless he's playing in the wet. Yeah, unless it's wet, yeah. He's basically a fly half with slick tyres. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they say, don't they, like, officials are best when you don't notice them. I'm wondering if maybe fly halves are best when you don't notice them. Because Stephen Myler, we talk about him purely because he plays for Northampton, but he keeps on guiding teams to decent results. Yeah. Uh, it showed a little bit of flair for that first try for... The offload oh, for was, Jamie Elliott. It was wonderful. I just wonder if his, like, his understated play might be far more critical than we give him credit for. Well, in the Six Nations, he was the third fly half in the England squad. It'll be interesting to see whether he retains that place or whether he gets He hasn't done replaced. anything to deserve being dropped, but then nope. Danny Cipriani's knocking on the door. And yeah. interestingly, Danny Cipriani, picking up on the point that you made, JB, about these sort of, you know, doing the nuts and bolts well consistently being important, um, Danny Cipriani has come out and said, I'm not running with the ball very much mm. because I'm, I'm just... I'm running the show for the team. Tactically, he said, my job is to just run the show, put us in the right parts and unleash the weapons. He said, whereas at Wasps, I had firepower everywhere. I wasn't actually running the team. I had decision-makers firepower everywhere. Ricky Flutie outside him, uh. Dominic Waldock, Josh Lucy. You know, he had loads of awesome players. He he was actually in there to be a bit of a Ooh. creative spark. Dom, Wal- uh. Dom Waldock, has he got a broken leg? Is that why he's not playing at the moment? What, what's his injury? Uh, did he not... Has he recently come back? Yeah, I thought he came back and then got injured, then like got injured. 12 minutes into his return yeah. match. Ah, that, that is right, yeah. It was a d- disaster because he's a really good player. But you mentioned that referees are best or TMOs or oh, whatever yeah. are best or assistant referees are best when they're not noticed. Mm. Unfortunately, one decision from an assistant referee which has got Bath fans, you'd have to say understandably, oh, up, absolutely upset. furious with this. So... Bath are now making their way into from the, between the 10 metres and the 22. A minute left on the clock. Yeah. Northampton have just equalised. It's 19 all. It was the linesman put out his flag. Assistant referee. Uh, what, <laughs> Ashley linesman. Rowden, yeah, Ashley Rowden. Puts out his flag. The ref then plays the advantage. To Bath, to Bath. late tackle. Oh, I can feel my blood boiling now. George Ford sits back in the pocket, says, do you know what? I'll have, the, I'll have a pop at this for a drop goal. The logic being, obviously, if he misses, they'll get a penalty get shot. Get chance, yeah. And then, as you say, when Matt Carley jogs over to the touchline and say, all right, Ashley, what did you see? Uh, well, I thought Northampton 5 made a late tackle. Can you just check? It's like a doctor putting on those those like shock pads to the patient, shocking the patient, and then going, shall we just check that we needed to shock that patient? On the flip side, had the assistant referee thought he'd seen it but wasn't sure, and, and player continued, let's say Bath had knocked on, is he within his rights then to say to the ref, can you just go back and have a look? I think there was a late tackle. Yeah. I don't know. Is that is that I, th- I think so. Is yeah. that all right? I think yeah. you can go back. What is the alternative? Because if Bath go through 20 more phases, yeah. which they can do. You can't go back that far. You, you can't go back. So mm. this is my, my whole point. We don't need these silly laws which are so pedantic, but you can actually see in almost every contact situation someone's done something wrong. I oh, no, it's not the laws. That's that's the way oh, that the, the laws law. were it implemented is. in this case. Just oh, it is the laws. in this case, the assistant referee can't tell the referee it's a penalty and then say might have been a penalty. Can you check? This wasn't about is the law right or not. Have you seen that? Yeah, it was the way it was implemented. And if if it was genuinely a penalty, as in laws had gone in late with or with no arms or something like that, then it deserves to be a penalty. Criticising referees or assistant referees or TMOs or whatever is something that's actually 
we've done recently. Yes, of course. And a lot of people have done and, and columnists have done and players have done or at least criticised the processes involved, not not necessarily the people themselves, the, some of the questions, some of the decisions. It's uneasy with me, but we've got to watch out because the Bath crowd, for one, there's been a lot of people saying the referee was thrown some pretty nasty abuse as he was leaving the field by Bath fans, which there's no place for that. Um, there's the chairman of Newby Rugby Club has come out and said he's going to deal severely with any fans, and this is at an amateur level, with any um, fans, and there have been some on the touchline, giving the referee so much stick that it's becoming uncomfortable. As much as we get cheesed off with referee decisions and stuff, we, we can't let that happen, can we? I think there's a difference between us sitting back after the match and kind of analysing and criticising incorrect decisions, but fans in the live action when the referee's there, particularly at an amateur level when there's only a few hundred people in, in, in the ground, that's a bit different. That's like It's almost like players openly criticising the ref in front of them, which obviously doesn't happen at, at any level at all. Refing a game is very hard, yeah. hard to do. Um, you, you've done it, Tim. I've tried it, and um, <laughs> I basically thought, if it looks wrong, you just blow up, but don't but don't tell them why. And, I, you know, it kind of, it kind of works. <laughs> but the more people that can make decisions in a game of rugby, so you've got assistant referees, you've got a TMO, you, you've, got, you've got a ref, there's going to be going to be inconsistencies. And it's the inconsistencies which leads to, leads to the frustration... If you look at most breakdowns, you'll probably have two refs giving you two different decisions. You then throw in this subjective safety first, not past the horizontal, uh, head high, late hits, all these things which uh, I actually love about rugby. And if he wants an opinion from a touch judge, uh, which is what they should be, he can have an opinion from a touch judge. And instead of having a video official, have someone who can operate the video screen so the ref can have a look, and that's it. Simplifying the game would sort out a lot of problems. But again, the, the well, and, and also it allows for those glorious moments, like when Neil Back <laughs> cheats his way to a hand. Yeah, depends, which depends is glorious, by the way. It's absolutely it's, magnificent. Depending on what side of the fence you're on. But I'm, I'm, if you lose to but, that, you'd be I'm, furious. But I'm a neutral, and <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Anyway, it has. Let, I was I was delighted for the result because it means that we have a showdown, a real mm. winner-takes-all kind of situation in the final weekend because Harlequins also, and very narrowly, yeah. came away with a victory. So we've got two results which could well have gone the other way, which means that we are in for an absolute treat next weekend at the Stoop. At Leicester, they looked powerful. They... Sale were really good for 15 minutes, and then Leicester just blew them away. Uh, now, what a good game Williams had. Owen Williams. Uh, to the point now that this Freddie Burns transfer can't really be happening, can it? It can't. If, if Why? Because it, it, it's still not been announced, has it? It hasn't. I don't think it's going to happen. If it if it does happen, then Freddie Burns will just be going as like, backup. backup. Yeah, just uh, be on the bench. They, and they don't need to spend the money, which I assume that he's going to want. I'd lo- I can't wait to find out what's, what's going to happen <laughs> to Freddie Burns. It's exciting, though. Um, he had that little kick through for the, for the Nicky Gonover try. He had a magnificent run, which ended up with the flood try, and he had the offload for, was it Niall... Uh, Morris. Niall Morris. I think the offload might have been the best one, actually. I don't know, the kick was pretty good, but he, <laughs> he played awesome. Uh, and the other one was Flood played so well, and Flood being a top, top lad, and probably thinking the same as me, that he can't stand the waste of time, which is the, which is the video official, said no try. Yeah, that was yeah. a nice touch. That That's really good. That was a nice touch. Um, Gonover and... Tuolangi got shut down and Sale's defence did that job very well but like you say there's, they're just, there's just weapons and they're, they they were just powerful 
really, really powerful. And I think I think Sale were already on the beach, to be honest. I think they were pretty much... <laughs> we've got our sixth place. We're in the European Champions Cup. Let's just chill out. Yeah. Unfortunately for them. They took a leaf out of uh, Exeter's book from last week and uh, Exeter. relaxed a little bit. I can't wait to see the England squad that Stuart Lancaster is going to announce. There's like, loads of question marks. Will Michael Patterson get a call up at second row? Well, will yeah. Owen. Danny Cipriani get a call up at 10? Well, will Owen, make, will Owen Williams make it? <laughs> is he eligible? No, it's no. hell. Oh, <laughs> he belongs uh, to us. Wasps <laughs> consolidated their seventh position with a pretty another massively high-scoring game against Newcastle. Whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa! You're and not, another comeback from Newcastle as well. To be fair, you're not just going to uh, scan over that 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 Johnny Leota try, a contender for try of the season. Oh, the Johnny Leota try. Uh, yeah, uh, it was awesome. Yeah, it was excellent. It was very good, wasn't it? I didn't think he had that kind of gas. No, I had yeah. no idea. I thought he was just a big boshing Polynesian. It goes, yeah. one, goes one way. Wrong. Um, sorry, what were we saying? Hughes, that number eight. I, there there was a quote from him. We talked about um, Nathan Hughes, the London Wasps number eight last time and yeah. how in what high regard he's held. And he said in a quote, because he's, he, he's eligible to play for his, the land of his birth, Fiji, in the World Cup next year. And he's basically said, I've resisted the call-up so far. I've got one, for England, I've got one year down and two to go. The indication is he might well forego the World Cup to stick around and play for England I think the main uh, driver for that would be money yeah because uh, you get what 13 grand per, per well, appearance per appearance it or is, per squad appearance it is yeah. a very short career um, yeah, yeah. You know, you've, got, I, you've, you've got to do what you've got to do the romance of rugby I don't like that very much though he should be playing for Fiji I and, think there is an argument to say that the, the union should get together and say it's not really that important that you know the England team pay more than the New Zealand team. It's important that more that there's more international uh, teams yeah. per, per se. Might even look at standardising the pay across tier one nations, tier two nations, tier three nations. It's an interesting yeah. idea. That that would definitely benefit. So every country pays into the IRB, and the IRB yeah. pay out international yeah, players. I, yeah. I don't know how that would work, and God knows how they how they negotiate it. After but the then there's so much other stuff. There's marketing. You know, you get the adverts, you get all the sponsors, and yeah. yeah. But, I mean, what point is a really strong England team with no one to play? Really, in because terms, because in terms of sponsorship, of, in terms of the appearance money, and in terms of the sponsorship to the game. Yeah. But Nathan Hughes, another big game. He's yeah. had like four man of the match. Man of the matches out of five in the last five games or something. So why yeah. why is he here then? He, he got signed last March, I think it was by Wasp as a all... replacement for number eight, the left Billy Vanapola. Oh. oh right, it was him and Ed Jackson. So if he gets any better, he'll presumably go to Saracens. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Fair play to yes. Wasp. It's like seventh seventh place is theirs. Uh, uh, and they'll play Stade Francais, I think it's been confirmed. Oh, it has been confirmed in the playoffs. Oh, wow. That'll, yeah. That'll, that'll be good. I mean, that get... should be awesome. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, so it's like another... His... Two extra game, meaningful yeah. games. Yeah, Ooh. another couple of high-profile games. Uh, Gloucester London Irish was a dead rubber game, really. Yeah. Now, yeah. someone around here has connections with London Irish. We won't mention who. Um, what do certain members of the squad think of Marlon Yard? I was watching him play, and I thought... This guy must be amazing in training. It, just the way he bounces around. He doesn't, he doesn't. I mean, he is obviously a very fast man, but it's not so much he's so quick and straight line. It's how bouncy he is. He just goes from you know, one direction to another direction. He moves like a housefly. Yeah, he <laughs> got half tackled and half lost his foot in, and then he's up and running strong, and then changing direction, and then scraped over the line. Very good, very impressive. Uh, I, I would have no comment to make on what any, anyone in the squad. I <laughs> just I, could you I make it up? For, could you make up what they speak for, speak for myself? I think he's uh, he's, a, he's a talented fella. I speak for myself as well. 
it's one of those situations which which rugby brings up, which is a bit of an odd one where a player decides halfway through a season they're leaving. Everyone yeah. knows they're leaving. How do you, as a coach, put a guy like Marlon Yard into a game plan? Because you can't exactly say, right, OK, well, uh, the, the outside centre is going to switch with the inside centre who's coming on the loop and then we give it to Marlon Yard and then he's going to turn one, you know, on a 90-degree step, spin, uh, somersaults. <laughs> I mean, I, I you might know. as well play It's like yeah. playing John Madden American <laughs> football, isn't it? <laughs> He's absolutely crazy to watch. I'd love to see him play sevens. And Saracens mm. won convincingly again against Worcester. Yeah, Worcester, Worcester. only going going one way. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yeah I, pretty good yeah, too. He's not. I'll tell you who else played really well. Um, Alex Good. Yeah, he did play. He really well. is playing outstandingly at the moment. This, this gr- is a bit of a bit, become a bit of a season of U turns for JB, isn't it? <laughs> JB, I hate uh, Owen Farrell. Rubbish. Way better is Charlie Hodgson. That is still you, true. <laughs> so Charlie is a much better player. <laughs> was, wrote off Alex Good. I don't see the I point in Alex Good. Completely wrote off Alex Good. And the last few games, he's been outstanding. So anyway, uh, and, and guess what? Penal scored for uh, um, for Worcester. But what disappointed me from Penal, considering he's been getting such plaudits and being nominated for the Premiership Player of the Year, there was two. Well, the, the two um, Ashton tries. Where Ashton was basically one on one with Pennell, and Pennell pulled out of making a tackle both Did times. He? Yeah, it just let him dive over the line, which I, yeah, hmm, no good. I, I know they were already relegated, but it's just put put your body in the line, well, make will, the tackle. Tim will know more about this than me, but um, they they all get media trained, yeah. Yeah, I would have thought. Yeah, absolutely. So, so penalties, even to the point where I, I I believe that like the way that Premiership clubs operate is the media manager and the coaches. Will have a some key points that they want to get across, and it's and that will be the stuff that gets given to all the players before the designated media appearances, <laughs> and then they'll so they'll be singing off the same hymn sheet. So, who do you reckon told panel to say this? Um, we made huge strides this year. You did, and uh, <laughs> this is probably the best one. Poor guy, because he had just been relegated. We're very proud of where we've come from. That would be the Premiership, Chris. You'd come from the Premiership. <laughs> I'd love to know who was circulating these sort of memos. Well, this is exactly what I mean, because <laughs> Dean Ryan said his his points were what's happened has had to happen and we have gone a long way oh, to rectifying oh. what was a situation that's been developing over a long period of time. Oh, well done, Dean. So in other words, that's it's like work. everyone's saying, everyone, everyone's been told, well done, guys. We've done what needed to be done, and we're going to be better for it. How, how have they come to that conclusion? So relegation is effectively a successful season, then really, because they've done what's needed to be done. When you actually look at this, the amount of money they have spent on very, very average players, <laughs> it's would it not be better if they bad. said we weren't very good this year? Uh, our transfer policy was pretty rubbish. You can't come out at any point and say... Just be honest. Say, the, not, say we, we've overspent on players that are past it. Guys like... Oh, no, I don't want to name names. That seems cruel. No, name names. Chris Jones. Oh, well done. Good name. Because it, it'll, it'll be on six figures, I yeah. would have thought. And it's, it's like, you know what? He, he had his day. Uh, Dean Schofield made it into someone's... Um, Dream Team in the rugby paper the other day, which I found quite quite funny. Um, he was good. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Yeah, he went Agreed. to Toulon and all the rest of it. But, but it'll, be on, it'll be on big money. Yeah. And the other uh, to, Jonathan, to Jonathan Thomas hasn't really done it, which upsets me because I do love Jonathan Thomas. Surely you and got... Murray, yeah, a lot of guys on the way down who will be being paid big money. There you go. There's there's my thoughts. Let's on, talk uh, about the last. Let's talk about media. while we're staying on Premiership. Let's talk about next week's game. And really, 
I mean, yeah, it's the, the one game that matters, really, isn't it? Every yeah, exactly. Every team will be having players that are leaving and they want to say goodbye to, or fans. It will be the last home game of the season. There'll be that whole big parade of the pitch and all the games kicking off at the same time. And we are going to be there in the BT Sports studio whilst these games are going on in the media hub. Keep an eye out for uh, us egg chasers. Well, well, I'm sure they'll be throwing to us uh, regular intervals for comment. And why would why would they not? Why would they not? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to phone ahead and see if they'll set me up my own little. Um... Uh, officials hub where I can just get linked into all the different officials <laughs> and, 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 I, and just give them scorecards I don't think they'll be asking your opinion on officials on television Jay somehow before we get cracking on the next part of the podcast Phil you have a carrier bag in front of you I do what it's time to ask what on earth is going on with that uh, so it's a little present for you guys oh um, really I was out doing some shopping today and I thought oh, Tim and Jay would uh, would like some of this JB's touched but that was just on rugby tour <laughs> it's all the rustling. Oh, yes, I know. Oh, what, I know what, this what, is. what? What is this? I that's love that's this for stuff. you, Tim. Oh. oh, I'm smelling this. I know what it is. Yeah, yes. Yeah, oh like... man, this is a, an, an incredibly lean source of protein, isn't it? It is. This, this apparently is what Jack Burger eats for. Oh, is, that... Lunch. <laughs> is that right? Yeah. Uh, is this biltong or? It is. Yeah. Oh wow. Chili biltong from a. A local biltong supplier. Bob, Bob, um, Bob, Bob's biltong in Haywood. All... Tim, Tim, you've got two pounds. That's a, a present from me to you. Oh, Phil. Jay, you've got ten pounds worth there. That'll be ten pounds, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Phil. <laughs> oh, do you know what? And J- Jack Berger has this. Oh, mm. So eating this will instantly mm. make me uh, a phenomenal rugby player. I'm sure. Yeah, definitely. He's, <laughs> he's nothing but burst. That's you know good. I read a, an article about. Uh, mm. It's about Brad Barrett, but mm. it. it He's now using an arthritis cream um, for a an an- previous ankle injury. Um, and, and Jack Berger's using the same thing. And uh, <laughs> I've treated myself to some of it last week. I've, I've bought some of this anti-arthritis cream that most... Of the, well, according to the article, a lot of the Saracens guys are using to try and uh, sort out my shoulder. Do you know what I thought you were about to say then? I thought you were going to say that um, Brad Barrett, because he's South African too, and Bill Tong, as you can tell, is quite hard to eat. Uses arthritis cream on his jaw. <laughs> on his, he would need to. The amount of muscle on Brad Barrett's jaw. He, there's so there's no time. amount of biltong chewy enough to stop him from chomping down on that. And uh, before we go any, any, any further as well, I've got a game of rugby social for us. Oh, excellent. Now, this is where, you know, there's a lot of rugby fans. Well, the word rugby social is something that's been going on up and down clubs to, at the end of the season, kangaroo courts and the like. But with rugby players, they love a bit of Twitter. So. Rugby Social is just looking at the Twitter responses and the Twitter updates of professional rugby players and uh, and a little game quizzing you on what they've been saying. So, let's play Rugby Social. And the first tweet is from Joe Marler, who pictured a semi-naked picture of who? Was it teammate Paul Doran-Jones? Was it coach Connor O'Shea? Or was it... Daenerys Targaryen from Game of Thrones. Mm. <laughs> Who has Joe Barla been tweeting a semi-nude picture of? Now, I do know that Paul Doran Jones was featured in this month's front cover of Attitude magazine, which... Oh, really? Yeah, which... Uh, Jay, you know exactly what that is, don't you? Um, it's a magazine that Ben, uh, that ben Cohen carries. Yeah, get the latest copy out of your bag. Let's have a look at what's in it. Where is it? I've not read Attitude, but here it's a very... Um, a, a very good publication. Yeah, yeah I've, I've never read it. It's a gay man's lifestyle magazine. 
No, you so, haven't read it. <laughs> so I've not. I've there, not is, there is no man who. Um, who there's no straight man who is as gaily dressed as Phil. What? You, you, yeah, yeah. Wow. He's very, very well groomed as Phil. Very well, very well groomed. I'll take that as a compliment. Answers, please, gentlemen. So, uh, Paul Doran Jones. Saying Paul Doran Jones. For me. Jay, what are you saying? I know who I want it to be. So I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna go with who I want it to be and say Paul Doran Jones, please. <laughs> <laughs> yes. For exactly the reason Phil said, Paul Doran Jones has done an How article. Did you know that, Phil? It was all over Twitter last last week. Well, because we have the same account, don't we? And I didn't see it. <laughs> uh, Paul Doran Jones has been uh, basically saying, you know, he's just got a four month old baby. He's uh, not a gay man, but he says he, he hopes that gay men in rugby feel comfortable to come out, and they should because uh, rugby's the sort of game that is very right. accepting of the of exactly. it. And I think great. Yeah, fantastic. Um, next question in rugby social then. Comes from Matt Banahan, whose son was three years old last week, and he's been tweeting about it. He's taking uh, to get a tattoo. Did he get, um, thanks, JV, <laughs> did he get his son for his third birthday a Captain America costume? Did he get him a Lego Millennium Falcon? Or did he get him, cheers for spoiling the punchline, <laughs> a sleeve oh. tattoo? <laughs> <laughs> sleeve tattoo. <laughs> Phil. Um, the Captain America outfit. Jay. The, the one which isn't a sleeve tattoo, but isn't the one that fills Millennium it. Falcon. Uh, it is the Captain America costume. Uh, so yes. And the final question in this week's Rugby Social comes from a man we said you should get following on Twitter because he's very entertaining, the Canadian international uh, and London Irish back row, second row, Jeb Sinclair, who is now a follower at Rugby Podcast, as I mentioned earlier. So, Jeb Sinclair, just like JB, has been getting out his summer wardrobe with a little bit of... Nice sunshine we've had over the bank holiday weekend. Did Jeb Sinclair post a picture of himself wearing, and is his choice of summer attire, cut-off jeans and a XXXL bodybuilder's gym vest? Nice. Is it a Canadian lycra suit with a maple leaf on the front? Or was it salmon shorts with a leopard print T-shirt? Oh, goodness. Wow. One of those is the... <laughs> Is the they're all, combo? They're all ludicrous. <laughs> <laughs> he has got pretty uh, wild taste, is there? It's the same Jeb Sinclair, isn't it? That, uh, took a picture of himself naked on a bike. On Ian Goff's, on <laughs> yeah. Welsh International Ian Goff's motorbike. Yeah. Nice. So you're not giving us the not giving you up the option of a Canadian tuxedo. What's a Canadian tuxedo? Is that what's that <laughs> no. a euphemism for? It's naked? A, no, just double denim. So <laughs> I've not heard that. <laughs> Have you not? I thought it was going to be like a lumberjack uh, shirt, but with shorter arms. <laughs> he has been wearing. Um, so, I, know, I'm going to go for the cut-off denim. Cut-off denim shorts and an XXXL bodybuilder's vest. I'm going to go for the last one, which is the leopard prints. Leopard print and salmon, salmon shorts, shorts combo. Uh, I can reveal, JB, you're right. Yes. Oh. It's an interesting look. How do you like those? Apples? And only the other day, JB was saying he wants to get himself some salmon-coloured. Khaki, yeah. uh, some chino chinos. shorts. Chinos, yeah. Oh, actually, full-length chinos. You yeah, want. I'm thinking about it. Wow. Uh, there you go. We well, can see how that would look on you by imagining a much less athletic-looking man wearing what <laughs> Jeb yes. Sinclair's wearing. Um, but yeah, there we go. That's rugby social. Let's get on with the next bit of the podcast. And what we've got to talk about here is let's talk about that one game because I mean Leicester Saracens that could have been a huge game. And actually, in fairness, it will be an important game. And I think both sides will take that very seriously. Albeit they won't want to put anyone in the firing line yeah. and keep the powder dry, but they also won't want to 
Leicester won't want to lose to Saracens at home. True. Um, I think there's more of an incentive for Saracens to rest a couple of players because yeah. they've already assured top spot. They're already assured the, the home um, I, semi. Yeah. But it's all about Quinn's Bath. I mean, just, just to run through the other games, Irish have got a final game at the Medeci Stadium against Sale Sharks. A dead rubber, but you know, obviously they'll want to win. Newcastle, Exeter, Northampton Wasps and Worcester Gloucester. So it's basically only one game that really matters. Quinn's Bath. Quinn's Bath, isn't it? 3.15 yeah. kick-off at the Stoop. And the situation is Quinn's are, what, how many points behind? Three points behind. Right. So if Bath get two bonus points, they're yeah. losing bonus point if and they... a try bonus point. Do you know what I think we should do? I think we Go should on. take the two teams, yeah. Harlequins and Bath, and pick 1.15 from the two squads, Ooh, from nice. their regular starters. So full-back, good as Nick Abendanen is... You'd pick Mike Brown, wouldn't you? Do, do you want to go from... Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Stylistically. No. I never said that's twi- that word twice now. Abendon can run. like. No- in fact, imagine Abendon in the... Mike Brown, though. Yeah. yeah you just got to pick one. You're not going yeah. to not pick Mike Brown, are you? Well, I'm just thinking, if, if there's an advantage Abendon had, it'd be his running game, which has yeah. been maybe... Oh, he's, a fantastic, he's a fantastic player, but he's he just happens on this occasion to be facing off against the best fullback in the Premiership. Yeah. yeah. North, maybe in Northern Hemisphere. So which wingers would you pick of the two teams? Mm. So Sam Smith dropped out just before kickoff, uh, and Ugo Monia came in and scored a, a great try. Um, so, well, the four wingers are Tom Williams and Ugo Monia, mm-hmm. started for Harlequins, and uh, Anthony Watson and Matt Banahan. Ooh, God, I thought it would be better than this. But, um, um, Bath have also got Aguella. Aguella, yeah. Uh, Aguja. Sorry, Aguja. Rocco Daguni. And Rocco Daguni, who, who played you, for you, the you, army. You'd pick him at right wing, wouldn't you? Rocco Daguni and uh, probably um, Aguja. Not Anthony, what, Anthony or Watson? Or Anthony Watson. So, um, so it looks like No, Bath. not Anthony Watson. I don't think he's complete enough. Banahan? <laughs> not so much. <laughs> not for me. Who would you pick then? I'd pick Rocco Daguni and... Maybe, maybe Watson. Yeah, no, I'd probably, pick, I'd probably pick Watson. Yeah. Centres. So... Molinar and Jordan Turner. Jordan Turner. Well, okay, we've only, we can only really pick one centre here because the other one's taken. You played Henson, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bath love him at the moment. Did, did, did he play the whole game? No. So Jonathan Joseph and Ollie Devoto played. Eastman didn't play for Bath. I, I quite like Eastman. I think I think I'd probably pick Joseph. Yeah, and Eastman. Joseph and Eastman. So you'd have you'd have so far the Bath back line, uh, except for Mike Brown Mike at the Brown. back. Fly half. This is a showdown. Okay. Yeah, right now, this is great. George Ford or Nick Evans? Right now it's Nick Evans. Next year it's George Ford. I'd go with that. I'd go with that. And at nine, Danny, Danny Kerr. Yeah, definitely. So you've got you've got the the half backs and full back. Yeah. Some real key decision making positions. Yeah. Quins. But the more... and the midfield and wingers. So the sort of finishing power and defensive unit. Bath. Yeah. Which probably just shows up how balanced. This is, and maybe the nine ten axis mm. and fifteen could actually be. Critical Why do I think for we're Harlequins. missing a centre? Who are the other Harlequin centres? Uh, Tom Casson is injured. So, someone we're missing. Is it Hopper? Yeah, Matt yeah, Hopper. Matt Hopper. Um, injured. Into the pack then. So, do I start in the front row? Yeah, front row. Uh, all so, so well. David David Wilson, Rob Webber, Paul James. That's fine by me. Started for for Bath, compared to Kyle Sinkner, Sinkler, not yet. Uh, Dave Ward, and Joe Marler. I'd go Joe Marler, David Wilson, and... Wrong answer. I'd probably go Dave Ward, the way he's playing. That was actually the one I, I, I was struggling with. David Wilson, Joe Marler, as your props. The props that started the last England match. Yeah. Would you not have um, Paul James? No. 
I, I'd, I'd have Marler ahead of James. Every interview that you read where Paul James uh, comes up, including one with Adam Jones, actually, says he's the most destructive scrimmager. Hmm. And that's very. I think that's quite interesting. The one area that Paul James beats Joe Marler is on having a bigger underhang of his bottom, his oh, bottom yeah, jaw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so if, if we were picking on that, who's got the biggest the, lower jaw? I'd go Paul James. But because we're talking about rugby, I'll go Joe Marler on this one. Yeah, me too. I would. I go Paul James. Hooker, Nathan Cat. Huh? Nathan Cat's a prop. Oh, you obviously didn't see the game. No. Why? Did he? Ross Batty and Rob Webber. Rob Webber went down injured. Initially, when they ran over to the touchline, this was about 15, 20 minutes to go, and they and Bath went, we don't have any hook, we don't have anyone who can hook on the bench. Wayne Barnes went, right, we well, need to lose a player from the field then. Yeah, you need to drop. You need to drop <laughs> a player. You can't just change on. You can't just substitute on. Yeah, a back, a, a row, back or, row or, 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 or a winger or whatever. Yeah, matter. I'm not sure. And, and, Matt, and Matt Carley, the referee, went, okay, then we'll, we'll play on. You're down to 14, Bath. Said yeah. to Stuart Hooper, and the Bath team were like, what? What's going on? And that's that's the laws. If you can't, yeah. yeah uh, so hang on. So they brought on Mike. Sorry, Mike. So Katz. basically, then sudden, suddenly, from saying on the Bath touchline, we have no one that can play hooker. Then they went, oh, actually, both our props. Uh, Nathan Cat can play hooker, and he, I went, bet on, he, he can. went on. He went on hooked. Huh. Did he do well? They won, well, they won a penalty in the first one. Yep. In the first scrum, and then uh, they lost. A, they lost one or two. So now, it kind of swings around. I think in the case of Bath, um, actually taking off one of your front row and replacing with a back row isn't going to benefit you that much anyway. Because they're, they're just so such big physical units that I, I wouldn't want a small like a smaller guy on on the field, especially uh, Weber. Weber is a they're beast. back row small guys. Which which yeah, exactly. which, which well, back, back row players are small exactly, guys? Though? Actually, that's a very so, very that, good point. <laughs> Carl Ferns, Leroy Houston, uh, Mawson, Gordy. Uh, uh, you, pro- you could probably argue that Perinisi is quicker than most of that back row. Oh God, Perinisi! Do you not fancy him some, 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 somewhere in there? So Joe Marler, David Wilson, and then it's uh, well probably Rob Weller won't won't be available. Ross Batty might be. I definitely go. Weber. I'd go Weber now. I think um, I'd go Ward. I think Ward's pushing close Cause, because of the work he does all around the park. Depend- Weber's a bigger guy. And probably- how about his throwing in? It is suspect at times. Yeah, he's definitely worked on it the last couple of years. It's like watching someone throw a loaf of bread. <laughs> <laughs> if everyone was fit, I'd probably go Rob Weber. If it was out of Ross Batty and Dave Ward, I'll go Dave Ward. So yeah. Sort of in the middle on that one. Uh, second rows then. Mr. Atwell, Mr. Hooper. Atwood. Uh, at, sorry, Atwell. Atwood and Hooper. Don't think there's anyone. Nick Kennedy. I've not seen him play this year. Yeah, he's been pretty quiet this year, hasn't he? Yeah, go on. I, I do love Nick, uh, Nick Kennedy. Though. I think he's a fantastic player, yeah. and I also like George George Robson. But I don't think it, don't think they're quite as good as that, uh, those two. And also, I like the old kind of mildness of. Hooper. Even, I don't even know, know if he's if he is that old. I think he's about thirty-two. Is he? Probably would. I probably would. <sighs> Hooper's a good. I, pl- I probably would go Hooper Atwood. Yeah. Just out of the four that played last weekend. And Atwood can be. Charlie Matthews is quite a promising, good player though. Yeah, he's only young. Uh, into the back row then. Start so with far, Bath are dominating the front five. Well, well, three out of five. Well, start with Low. Uh, he's not been playing though. He's been injured. Yeah, but when he does play, he's world class. Ag- agreed. If he was fit, but I think just, he's out, just, out for the rest of the season. Rob now. Shaw. Rob Shaw at seven. I'm gonna say Nick he's, Easter at eight. I would too. You'd, you'd, and, you'd have low though. And if, Tell me if, if low. low was available, but I don't. I don't know that he would be. I'd, no, I'd, he, he won't be available. I know that. I'd have low and Ferns. I'd uh, have Garvey if fit. Oh, Garvey. As Garvey, well. Rob Shaw, Easter. Depends what. Kind yeah, of... I probably would. That's that sounds like Hang quite on. a nice. Are you saying no, no low? Well, he's not if, been fit for the past fit. month, and he's not fit for the rest so of the if, season. All right, so if fit, the sixth position would be filled by someone from Bath, Low, Garvey, 
Ferns. Yeah. One of those would fill that position. I would, I'd happily go into a game with all three with with all three of those. Well, I'm sure that will happen in the yes in, in the postseason if they get there. So th- let me just run that down, and this shows what a tight battle it is. The front, the forwards, Joe Marler. We were split on Dave Ward and Rob Webber, and David Wilson. Mm-hmm. Atwood and Hooper. So that's an area of strength for Bath is a front five. No, yeah. no prizes there. We knew that. Yeah. Back row: Rob Shaw, Easter, and a Bath player, Low Garvey. Yeah. Which shows that actually Harlequins and Bath. That's a big old battle. That, that whoever wins the back row battle is probably going to win the game potentially. Halfbacks, both from Quins, Danny Kerr, Nick Evans, mm-hmm. Mike Brown at fifteen from Quins, and then the whole midfield and, th- and three quarters aside from that from Bath. Anthony Watson, Kyle Eastman, Jonathan Joseph, Rocco Daguni. Now, I just look at that and go, one, it's a really even split between the players, but they're at the stoop. And yeah. number eight, number nine, number 10, number 15, all Quins. Yeah, mm. key, very key positions, aren't they? Spine of the team. Oh, well, I think if Quins are going to win it, they're going to win it by speeding the game enormously and getting that back, back, bath pack, pack to move around, just like they did against Leicester. I think Harlequins will be doing, will be beasted early this week doing line-out defensive drills and hitting the scrummage machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, definitely. I'm not sure I'd want to be playing Kyle Sinclair, though. Well, this is a big test for him, isn't it? Mm. Big yeah. old test That's for him. A, that, could be, that could be the weak point. Oh, man, it's hard to call. I think with home advantage and those guys in those positions, I think Quinns might edge this. I think Quinns might win, but I think Bath go through. Yeah, I yeah. think they might win by less than seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, think, I think that'll be the way. Exciting. Isn't it, Joe? Yeah. Exciting all the way. Oh, wow. Well, let's turn our attention briefly to across the channel and France, where the, well, Perpignan have been relegated from the top 14, and James Hook looks like he could be on his way to Lyon. Mm. Uh, hasn't been a successful jaunt for his him at Perpignan. No, everything about this move to Perpignan has been a disaster for, for James Hook. Yeah. Like, he's lost his place in the Well, in, his in, bank balance, he's, he's, I'm <laughs> sure his accountant yeah. will, will disagree with that. I feel like his his stature as an international player has fallen. Everyone still says he's the most talented guy around, but he's in a relegated team and he doesn't play for Wales, and he's behind Reese Priestland. What a disaster! <laughs> um, I'd like to see him come over, come to come to England. That'd be wonderful. Ooh, that's a good question. Oh, well, who, who would most who who would look best with uh, James Hook in their side? If, uh, well, New, well, he'd improve Newcastle amazingly. <laughs> well, they've got no options at ten. That I well, he's not going there. If he's not going to go there, if Leicester somehow managed to rip up the Freddie Burns deal, which they're busy doing, by the way. Yeah, which I'm sure they're tr- working very hard. That's to. a lovely idea. Would you want to put James Hook at ten in Leicester and put Owen Williams on the bench? Well, what they what what do they miss when they're missing Flood? Because yeah, Flood has been dropped for rugby reasons, and he now comes on as this like utility guy. And there's no better utility guy in the yeah, world. Yeah, but come, than James Hook. comes on as a utility yeah. guy. Yeah, he starts your game. I suppose it'd be good, you know. Yeah, yeah. Because Owen Williams will probably be involved in the Welsh setup yeah. next year. Uh, he covers a lot of places. It'd be nice to see him with a big park and mm. in, in in his Leicester colours. Oh, yeah, I'd like mm. that idea. Yeah, a lot. nice front football. Um, the what, other one, go on. I was going to say, um, has Andy Good resigned for next year, or is is he Ooh. finished? Because wasps could be a good move for Hook. That's a great shout. Well, I I think what we've shown with Andy Goo that is that age doesn't matter. He has, <laughs> he has a skill set which age will not actually affect. Age I mean, and weight. To be fair, <laughs> yeah. to be fair, he's a player that's past his prime now in his thirties and on the way down out of an international setup, but would still command a huge wage. Worcester. Yes, Worcester. <laughs> that is logical. That's what that's that's been their formula for the last few years, well, isn't it? I mean, actually, um, Worcester have got a bit of a track record with Welsh players. 
Uh, but so recently, Wasps would die young. Mm, yeah, so that, that's, that's that true. could be a really good fit there. It could, yeah, it could be good for both both parties there. Mm. But France, interestingly, we discussed this on a previous podcast about the during the Six Nations about the way that the top fourteen isn't fostering a good national team for France, and they're limiting the chances for young players by having no rules on the number of foreigners that can be in and the salary caps being huge and all the rest of it. And France are just bringing in rules now to incentivise, some would say not going far enough, but to incentivise having homegrown French young players in your squad rather than foreign nationals. Yeah, so they get additional money. Um, like, Sorry, the, the salary cap is raised for each um, international player they have, but they've also made it easier for young French players to be loaned from the top clubs to... Uh, well, to any of the other clubs so that they can get game time. And they can keep them on the books then for... And yeah, so say Toulon's got um, a really good French back row, but he's not getting in ahead of all the rest of them, Lobby and Smith and Armitage. They can loan him out to someone who's mid-table. And so he'll be playing week in, week out in the the top French division rather than just getting little bits of game time at Toulon. So it's benefiting the the national team. And I imagine that the French division one is uh, at least as competitive as as the rabble. Uh. Well, they can loan them out to within the the top fourteen. Oh, really? Yeah. So, so that's that's good. But it all, and it means that you're not decreasing the quality of the league as well because you're keeping the top clubs with the top international players. You get additional space in your salary cap for having French international international players. qualified players in your squad. Yeah. So these aren't the only changes to to rugby leagues over the last. Week, week or so is this not, 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 something, it's not something going on with Super Rugby yeah Super yeah. Rugby they're talking about expanding it to 18 teams which right. would include an Arge- a team in Argentina yeah. allowing the Argentinian players that currently and historically have been playing in England, France and Italy to go back home to Argentina and be paid a full time wage to play in the Super Rugby and also a franchise in Japan potentially yes so the additional three teams would be Argentinian an Asian one although it's not it w- probably would be Japan, given the money that they've spent, and the uh, Southern Kings, who got replaced by the who, Gold- uh, yeah the Golden Lions, Lions yeah. Something. So there'd be six South African teams, and the way they'd do it would they'd keep the five team New Zealand and the five team Australian um, mm-hmm. groups, and then they'd have two four team groups operating out of South Africa, which would include the the other two, the Argentinian and the the. So you'll love Japanese. this, Jay. Yeah. Taking a bit of an NFL type no, format with talking. with conferences and everyone plays everyone, but some people play people twice in their own little conference, and the winners of the conferences go through to the playoffs. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I like that a lot. With the amount of money that there is in Japan, like if you look at some of the players that have gone to Japan in the past few years, there is so much money for for rugby there. They could have like the Toulon of the East. They could really build an incredible team. Japan's obviously a good place to put a team. Hong Kong, I'd say, might be a good place to put a team. Got a nice stadium big, there. Big following. What would they be called? The Argentinian team. Yeah, Puma, like, just call them the Pumas. Like the Gauchos or something. Or oh, actually, <laughs> actually, maybe they should be called the Jaguars because that's what the Pumas are. That's what the Argentinian national team's supposed to be. The Belgranos. The They're initi- supposed to be. Well, when they were started, they were they were the Jaguars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a and then and then it was actually someone else. Somehow they started being called the Pumas, and that wasn't actually what a journalist. They were to be a journalist got it wrong. Yeah, it's like the All Blacks aren't called really the All Blacks or the All Backs because they played like All Backs, but they thought it was a, they thought it was a spelling mistake and they called them All Blacks. Is that right? Yeah, 
Is that right? That is actually right. That is actually. <laughs> right. Hold on a minute. Uh oh. Hang on. Don't you be testing my stories with your facts, Phil? <laughs> Fact. Phil's furiously typing now. Well, Phil's googling this. Yeah, we need any confirmation, please. Uh, there is. There's wiki answers. Um, I hate no, that. Notoriously reli- unreliable. Saying basically the same thing that you're saying, Jay. Mm-hmm. Did I you, did write that. Post. Did you? Yeah. Did you write this article? Let's give it that then. Fact. Let's give it one of them. Yes. Wow. Uh, but I, I like that as a development for rugby, and that and the addition of a, a meaningful competition for some of the second tier nations in Europe. And I think rugby is on the right track. Hopefully, yeah, definitely, because we, we touched on it before. It's pretty bad for rugby if players like Nathan Hughes opt to play for England rather than for Fiji, yes. because you you don't want a World Cup where you've only got four or five teams that can win it. You want a World Cup where there's. 20 teams going out who can all potentially win it. In fact, wouldn't a, wouldn't a franchise that whether they're based in New Zealand or Australia or somewhere okay. but 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 a Pacific Island Pacific Island 15 or whatever the or I don't know what the political term for those group of islands is the Well, they do have the Pacific Islanders team. They yeah. play plays like a, a group, don't they? So Play, players that are qualified to play for Samoa, Fiji and and Tonga. And and you know, mm. Japan's close enough you can pretty much get a bus from Japan to Tonga. So it 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 work it work well to yeah, I, put it there. I think I think people will definitely have thought of that, and that, that's probably on the long term strategy. Whether it's a bit too uh, unachievable at the, at the moment, but yeah. whether it's further down the line. Well, the thing is, apparently, the South African market, the amount of TV money they get from South Africa, dwarfs everything else. So it's basically down to what the, what other South Africans want because they've got so much more power. And whereas Australia Super Rugby is on its ass. Mm. It's really, it really struggling. Yeah, yeah. Financially, a crowd. Just crowd. Yeah. Just really, it. really struggling. Basically, because there's no. It's, it's similar with Wales, in fact, and the Welsh regions, in that people have their local teams and they don't really have any strong allegiance with the, the franchise, the regional franchise. They're up against Rugby League, and Rugby League have got those historical rivalries and those historical roots have of you, clubs. Have you ever seen the documentary with Russell Crowe? When he first bought, bought oh, when, his, when he first bought the yeah, and he got one of their fans, the Rabbitoh fans, to write a book of rivalries, and before and before the game, they'd have uh, Russell Crowe doing a gladiator impression. Oh wow! And he gets this big book uh, just for the listeners. I'm holding up a book now. I know this doesn't translate well for podcasts, but he'd hold up this hold up this, uh, this book, and the super fan had written everything in it, and he'd open it up. And there'd be like fake dust in it, and you blow off the dust <laughs> and start reading about all like, all of the rivalries which have happened between these like these two teams. <laughs> oh awesome. wow! <laughs> I don't know if he's bored of that now or what, but he still, still seems to be quite into quite into his rugby. So I doubt he is. Love it. Mm. I'm Russell Crowe. <laughs> <laughs> Smashed a few tinnies and uh, arrived here by horse. <laughs> oh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> love it. Love it. Love um, it. Love it. I know you probably want to move on, but before you no, 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 but just just on that one, on. Australia is so, so on its ass that basically the Waratahs have That's been told I mean, yeah. the Waratahs have been told find a buyer. Now there's rumours that that buyer could come from, I think it's Narbonne in France, oh, wow. potentially Bob Dwyer, the old Australia coach. He's and, not in Narbonne, is he? I think he might be. They're in Division One. I, I might I might be wrong on the team, but anyway, Bob Dwyer and whoever the consortium is looking after that French team are interested in buying the Waratahs, and so is. The consortium that's taken over London Irish. Mm. What would that, so that mean? Rumours of them. And basically, the way this came out is there was someone from the Waratahs who shouldn't have been talking so publicly about such things, talking very loudly in a in a restaurant, 
and a journalist overheard and uh, published the story. Oh, huh. dearie me. Yeah, but interesting. Mm. We will watch those developments. Let's, just a couple of other transfers and one of the, a couple of the latest ones. Firstly, Sebastian Chabal is retiring. Oh. Sunday's his last game, Seabass. Oh, no. Is he going to be a full-time fairy now? <laughs> the uh, currency fairy. Just full-time dominator. Is, he, is it fair to say he was the, uh, kind of almost like the Cantona of rugby for a little while? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The best bit was during the World Cup in France when an English journalist said ahead of the France-England match, um, do you mind answering a question in uh, in English? And he said, no. And then blurted out something like, we're in France, I'm French, and got up and walked out. <laughs> Just, he's awesome. Drop the mic. <laughs> Guy is awesome. I love him. I love him. So he, he's retiring. And in addition to that, Mul- Mills Muliaina is going to Connaught. What? What? Mills Muliaina. Does he know where Connaught is? He's <laughs> going to Connaught. It's oh, a great signing for them. This sound, That's an incredible signing. It sounds very suspicious, though. I wonder if this is another, like, um, uh, Matt Gitto fuel pellet type type, type deal. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's been I know, promised something. Do you know who else is quietly going about their business in quite a, a nice fashion? I, I like what Sale Sharks are doing. Do you? Yeah. Really? Luke McLean. That's a good signing, that. Yeah. Fullback. I, I rate Luke McLean. Italian international Luke McLean. Oh, when was that, when was that announced? Last week. Mm. That's not bad. Thursday, I think. So, so it's another Australian-born European-capped player mm. with yep. alongside uh, Nathan, Nathan Hines. Hines. Nathan Hines come in as well. Nathan too. Hines could be a good... I don't know, really. Is so, Nathan Hines a good signing? I don't know. I think so. He's played, starting for Claremont. It's a two-year deal they've yeah. given him. So that's, that's the not question Not many marks. teams have given him a two-year deal. I imagine Claremont might have given him a one-year deal. But Yeah, I would have thought so. I would have thought most teams would give him a one, one year deal. They'll pair him up with and Patterson, and, I guess. And they've got Dimashi as well, the front row, Italian front row international at the sale as well. It's yeah. some, some good, yeah, not I mean, big like marquee signings, but good quality. Uh, right, podcast done. Shut, do you know what? Before we go, should we have one more listen to that uh, Mick Morgan oh, remix? Yes. yes, please. I've had a lot of great feedback on this. Yeah, oh, me, oh, me too. Has Mick Morgan phoned you? No. He has your number. Does uh, he? Yeah. So we may well have Mick Morgan on the podcast any week now. I think yep. we need to proactively call him rather than him calling I've, us. Because clearly him. the man, the man's so him. the man's so good, he's going to be off the hook answering <laughs> yeah. phone calls. Well, uh, actually, he is. Um, I phoned Castleford. Yes, Castleford, and um, I spoke to the press guy who gave me his number. But he is getting a lot of requests for interviews for his commentary, even though he's been around for a while. It's a relatively recent recent phenomenon. This. Yeah, very uh, recent. Once again, let's just, let's just rewind to the start of the season. The Honey Badger was popular, Nick Cummins, but the Egg Chasers Rugby podcast, we featured him week after week after week after week, as uh, and then his bubble started to grow. We've been featuring Mick Morgan for months. His bubble is starting to grow. Jacques Berger follows us. Alistair Eakin on his way to BT matches listens to us. I think all this is basically just pointing to is the fact we are the tastemakers for the, for the rugby <laughs> exactly. world. Exactly. Whatever the we speak, code. We speak for the people. Exactly. And so it's a very important you keep getting in touch with us at Rugby Podcast on Twitter. But I will leave you with the song from Mick Morgan, the awesome Rugby League commentator and the little dance remix that we asked for and uh, good old Henry delivered. Okay, here's the situation. Our daughter Mia is leaving for her first sleepover. We have friends coming to stay and we just got a puppy. So I go on Instacart and solve everything in one order from Kohl's. Fun PJs for Mia. Oh, new bedding for the guest room. And a vacuum cleaner that actually picks up pet hair. All delivered in as fast as 30 minutes. 
With Kohl's on Instacart, there's no such we can't fix. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum order. Additional terms apply. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.